are y'all? I didn't have time to do this beforehand. Y'all had to let me get this adjusted. Willie got a big old head, I think. Uh, or Jake or somebody. Probably Jake. All right. It's going to be a little different this morning. Let me find this wire. Um, I'm going to. I am going to address the elephant in the room. I was going to preach out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll go there in the next weeks. Um, If you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 91. All right, <clears throat> we can we can dis- we can as far as the discussion, we're not going to have a discussion this morning. That might turn to mass chaos, but um, I do want to uh, share a couple of things with you concerning this whole virus thing. And just so you'll know, when I'm coughing, I've coughed my whole life, so I don't have the coronavirus. But I'm going to cover up for David's sake. <coughs> All right. There you go. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I want to start off with this uh, to say, so you'll know what I'm saying, what it's coming from. I, I have no fear as far as the coronavirus is concerned in me or, or worried about getting that or that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm not in a panic situation. I wholly trust in the Lord and, and that kind of stuff. So, so this, this, what I'm going to talk about, is not coming from a, a panic or a fear. But it is coming from a consideration and wisdom. You know, as, as a pastor, I have to make some decisions that directly affect y'all. So um, I've talked to some leadership, and and uh, I know there's a lot of hype going on in the media and all, and I don't buy into all that hype. And, and uh, you know, I, I know that this is basically the flu on steroids, and and I looked this week, you know, I think it's like over the entire world, a little over 5,000 fatalities, uh, fatalities, or however you say that, deaths have occurred from this. And in America alone, in the last year, 22,000 deaths with the flu. However, I don't want to belittle this. I think there's a lot of people that's, that's reacting two different ways. Some are like off the scale buying all the toilet paper and <laughs> some are some are like oh, there's nothing to it i think you need to you know truth is always right in the middle it's a it's a fine line that you walk and so uh me and my wife praying over this and discussing it and then i'm discussing it with other people <clears throat> with this whole coronavirus um it is serious it is something that is serious and you need to consider not just flarf it off um i know there are those i'll probably might not hear it, but people think, well, he's being faithless, and I'm not faithless. You know, I, I do think that there you show wisdom in prevention. My concern with what I'm going to talk to you about is, number one, it affects mostly elderly people. It affects people who have respiratory problems. It affects, it can affect little ones, babies, and that kind of stuff. Um, and what it basically what it does, I'm sure you all know this, but if you don't, 
Uh, it starts off, you can have it for up to 14 days, and you don't even know you have it. Okay, there was a guy on a bus this last week uh, that got on a bus. He had it, and by the time he got off, eight other people had it. So, it's, so it's a, it, it is an issue. <clears throat> but um, the thing is, what happens is, uh, what is happening, we're talking, to, we're not getting our information from social media. We're talking to medical people we know. Uh, is that people are getting this, and then it basically develops into double pneumonia if you're if you're older or you uh, have um, uh, immunity, your immune system's not strong. Maybe you've been sick or something like that. It develops into double pneumonia, and ultimately, most people are having to be put on a ventilator to 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 work that all out. And if you get it, if you're like, you know, average person my age or whatever, you'll roll through it most likely and, and not have no issues, okay? But here's the problem is that if, if I get it and you get it and you're like, I'm not worried about it, we can give it to elderly people and we can give it to babies. We've got a lot of babies in the church, a lot of moms carrying babies. That I don't even know what it does for that yet. I don't think they do either. And so obviously I have a great concern in that area uh, when, I, when I talk about this. Because, uh, you know, there are, there are people I know of for sure in Houston in their 20s and 30s that have gone in and they're putting on ventilators. And here's the problem. Once so many people, once it spreads, then you have a hospital overloaded with not enough equipment and people who would not normally die, die because everybody went, no big deal. And then it spread and <laughs> all of a sudden, you, then you do have a bad situation that didn't have to happen. Okay, and so the Bible does say, "Be wise as serpents, harmless as dove," and God speaks of wisdom through it. So here is, uh, and if you wanna, if you wanna talk to me about this afterwards, I'm I'm all for it. First off, I want to say this: church coming to church is not a demonstration of how great your faith is. Okay, you, you live your faith every day, and and if you didn't come to church for a week or two, it doesn't mean that you're being faithless. Um, I know that God is sovereign. Okay, I don't have no issues with my understanding of God. So, well, God's in control. And the Bible also says, "Why should you die before your time?" And uh, and you know, if I was, I'm not in the medical field, but if I was, and uh, somebody came in and they had HIV positive and they were bleeding, I wouldn't go, "Well, God's sovereign, so I'm not going to put on rubber gloves." You know, I would put on, I would use my brain that God gave me, and I put on rubber gloves as a preventative measure, and I would trust in God's sovereignty. <clears throat> because here's the thing. Ultimately, nobody makes it out alive. We're all going to die, and I understand that. Death, I have no problem with death. I promise you that. It doesn't, I have no fear of that. Now, the way that I go, and, you know, I'd rather, I, I, if I had my choice, I'd have a few ways I wouldn't pick. But I'm not worried about dying, and as a believer, for you, I know that nobody wants to die today, but I'm not worried about you dying as a believer. You understand that? Because when you open your eyes in death and lay your eyes on Jesus, you're going to be like, what took me so long? I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. I trust in God fully, trust in the Bible and so death is not the issue now. But we do have people that I am concerned. It's not my concern. It's my concern for other people. I mean, for instance, you know, Miss Jennifer's carrying a baby, and you got Miss Seagull, Miss Verna, and they're going to be here. You know, so, so here's where I'm at. In, in, I'm not saying next week, but in the next few weeks, we're going to watch and see how this progresses, especially in our area. It's going to get worse. It's going to get way worse. And... Uh, and, and, and if the leadership of the church agrees that we need to respond to that, you know, honestly, I would ask elderly people at this point, stay home. It, you know, listen to it on, we do a podcast, we do a YouTube live, 
If you need me to call you, I'll call you during the week and encourage you. It's not saying that you don't trust God, okay? You know, here's the thing. If, if and I'm, a lot of my talking this morning is just kind of logical, but if, uh, if we receive intense persecution, all of a sudden they passed a law that said church can't meet. I'm not going to be here to meet with you. I'm going to meet with the church somewhere where we're not going to get shot or arrested. You know, if I end up in jail, whatever, God's sovereign. If I end up with a bullet between my brain, whatever. But I'm not going to walk into a barrel and ask somebody to do it to show how faithful I am. Okay, You do what you want to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to trust the Lord, but I'm also going to uh, act with wisdom. And so if in the next few weeks uh, we feel like we need to, uh, you know, take a break for the, pers- for the purpose of preventing this and, and shutting it down, then we will uh, shut it down. And what I would do in that instance would be... Uh, I'd come down here where somebody knows how to work that camera or, or wherever and let the boys, because we're going to be around each other uh, anyhow, let them uh, do some music and worship, and, and I'll preach a message on YouTube live. If you don't have YouTube, guess what? There's a million preachers that can out-preach me any day. The purpose of the church is to come together and to edify, to encourage. Uh, it doesn't save you. If you're not here, you're not going to lose your salvation, Okay. Uh, but but we still remain the church even if we don't gather on a Sunday. And, and so if we come to that point, if you want to judge me and go, he doesn't have faith, believe me, I'll get with you, and I'll go with you anywhere you want to go so you can demonstrate to me your great faith, okay? Uh, because I have other ways of demonstrating faith. <clears throat> and I don't say that pridefully. I'm just saying there's some people who act like, you know, well, they're not showing their faith. I'm like, I, I have strong faith. I trust in Jesus down to the nitty-gritty, but I also know when the Lord's leading me to make some decisions, and my concern is not for me. My concern is for you, and especially for our elderly people in the church, and if we can, uh, and here's another thing. We, we as a church don't want to be so bold to show our faith, to show that we don't care if we get it, and we're a conduit to carry it out into the community. We're supposed to be a light, and we're supposed to show with the wisdom of God, and so in that, I'll let you know in the next few weeks, um, what we're going to do, and, and if I come down here, and some of you just have to be here, come in, sit in the back, whatever you want to do, but I, I would encourage you, okay, and I'll take the rap for you on the day of judgment if it bothers you, okay, put it on me, Lord, he's the one that, put it on me, I'll take it, because I know when God's leading me, that I just want to respond to this <coughs> in the right way, because here's, here's one of the things that I do see, America thinks that it's exempt. And that we should not have to change anything. You know, people go, well, you know, what are we going to do about jobs? The the Lord can change things in a moment. And I'm not saying God caused this. God is sovereign. God doesn't cause sin, but he's sovereign over it. God doesn't cause sickness and disease. He's sovereign over it. So I'm not saying God caused this. But you know what? God can allow it to humble a people to a point to go, even a microscopic bacteria can shut the greatest nation in the world down. Ezekiel 24, and if we come to that place, we have to come to a place and go, you know what, life can change. And if it changes, God can still take care of us, still provide. He's still God on the throne. And we, of all people, have the greatest hope because we know Christ and we ain't worried about the coronavirus. I'm really not concerned about the coronavirus as far as, you know, the whole outcome of it and all. If we die, we die, whatever. I'm not concerned about that. But I do want to use this. I don't care nothing about fear tactics. That's why I'm trying not to move in that direction. There's probably a lot of pulpits this morning preaching this the last days. And you know what? Very well could be 
moving into the front of the tribulation. I'm not saying we are. Don't quote me on that, but it is possible. You know, Matthew 24 said there's going to be pestilences in that day, great diseases and that kind of stuff. We're seeing a lot of that. I'm not saying that. So, But what I am saying, and this will kind of start me into my message, what I am saying is well, if we are flipping out over a coronavirus that is the flu on steroids, what in the world are we going to do if the tribulation hits? What are we going to do in the United States of America as God's people? Because here's what I say. We think, well, I'll never lose my job, and I'll never have to face a situation that, that China's facing or that, you know. There is coming a day right here on this ground where we will have underground churches, where we will be persecuted, where Christians would be put to death. You will not have your, your houses and your boats and your great Saturdays. And I'm, I'm not against boats. I was in one yesterday. But I'm just saying, do not think that we're above the the, the, the judgment of God or the consequences of sin or the things that's going to take place. Okay, The book of Revelation is not written to all the other countries except for America. And so as God's people, you have to realize that life can change, life will change, life is going to change, and the th- one thing that doesn't change is Jesus. Okay, I want you to look in Psalm 91. I'm not going to be real long this morning, but I do want to read you some scripture, and I want to give you some encouragement, and I want to speak truth to you. Okay? Psalm 91. Say, so what should I do in response to all of this? You know, I think we should, if we was as concerned about lost people as we are the coronavirus, we'd see a change in our nation. Amen? Thinking, man. So I want to give glory to God today. It says in verse 1, He who dwells, I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to go back. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare or the trap of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, that is, deadly disease. He shall cover you <coughs> with feathers, and under his wings he sh- you shall take refuge. His truth, notice what it says, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the error that flies by day. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Only with your eyes shall you see the reward or the punishment of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near to your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And notice where all of this is coming from. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. And the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot because he, because he has or you have set his love upon me. He's talking about setting your love upon the Lord. Therefore, I will deliver him and I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. So I want you to look at this text for a minute, and this is, I've been praying this actually for a couple of weeks now, praying it over my family, praying it over our church family. So you do, you do have people that's praying for you if you're not. But I want you to notice this. Some people would take this and go, that's a promise to believers. No, it's not. It's a promise to those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. 
those who live in the shadow of the Almighty. It's for those who draw near to the Lord. Just because you're a believer doesn't necessarily mean you draw near to the Lord, right? There's times where we just do our thing. We don't walk close to the Lord. And I think sometimes God allows these situations in our life and in our nation so that we come to the place to go, you know what? I need to draw near to the Lord. And he wants his people there. You know why? Because he wants to be your refuge. He wants to give you peace. He wants to protect you from the things that's going. Just like if something comes up, you know, where you're in a situation of danger and you have your children with you, they come running to you or at least you want them to be next to you so that you are the one who can protect them. God wants us to draw near to him. The awesome thing is grace calls us to do that. You can draw as near to God as you want to draw near to God. And so this promise is not what I'm saved, so this is a promise for me. That's not what it says. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's the closest place. That's the place where you live and you walk with Jesus. And in your heart and in your life, you're trusting him. You're there because not out of fear. You're there because you love him and you recognize, Lord, you're the one who takes care of us. You're the one who protects us when something comes against us. You shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, and I want you to notice what it says here, he is my, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him I will trust makes it very personal. Yeah. It's not something where it's a whole church as a whole or that it's just, you know, cast out there. My question is, is he your God? He's my God. And just because he's my God doesn't mean you fall under that protection, okay? Or just because he's your wife's God or he, your wife's trust or your husband's trust doesn't mean that you come right in under the umbrella. The question is, do you know Jesus? You know, it, it amazes me any time in, in the country as a whole and, and really with people, any time you see in this nation where all of a sudden people are shaken, there's a shaking, that people are shook when they look at eternity and all of a sudden there's a whole lot of things that take place to try to avoid that. And I'm all about avoiding death. I don't want to run to it, but I'm like, here's the thing. The world, if God, you think about 9-11, all of a sudden the churches were full, everybody was talking about eternity and all that stuff. When it passed over, you know, people went back to their sinful lives, they went back to their worldly desires, and they went away. And, and, and all of a sudden, when God allows a shaking, okay, and he allows a shaking and people look at death, it reminds me of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16, where Paul and Silas were in prison, and at midnight they sang praises unto the Lord, and then it says that the, that the Lord shook the place. An earthquake took place. And for God's people, all the chains fell off. Okay, sometimes a shaking is a good thing. As God's people, sometimes we're holding on to things that are temporary. And we're holding on to things that keep us blinded. And we're holding on to things that lead to our destruction. And so sometimes a shaking for a believer's life sets us free from those things. Because it wakes us up to go, you know what? All this stuff I'm worried about really don't mean a whole lot. And if God can take this and he can change everything, even in our physical lives, from a day-to-day basis, maybe I need to be walking a whole lot nearer to the Lord. But to an unbeliever, when that shaking takes place, and maybe I'm talking to you this morning, when that shaking takes place, you know, the jailer that was there in Acts 16 watching Paul and Silas, when the shaking took place, it says that he drew out his sword and he was fixing to take his life because at that point in time, if a prisoner escaped, they would take that person and they would put him to death or they would put him in prison in in that place. And so this jailer pulls out his sword 
He's fixing to take his life. And I think at that moment, he looked into eternity. And the question came to his mind. He looked at Paul and Silas and he said, because Paul said, Don't, do not do that. We're all here. Here was a cool thing. And I'm totally preaching on something different. I got to go with this. You can look at it later, Acts chapter 16. But here was a cool thing. All the prisoners were set free. They could have took off running, but they wanted to stay right where God was. Doesn't matter what your environment is. The, the secret place of the Most High. That, was the, that night, that was the secret place of the Most High God. And they were safer there than they would have been anywhere else. And so Paul said, do not do this. We're all here. And the Philippian jailer took a lantern. He put his sword down, took in. He come in where he could see the light. And he said, he, he fell down on his knees and said, sir, what must I do to be saved? What do I need to do to have what you obviously have so that you can praise your God even in prison in a miserable condition at nighttime so that I've seen the power of God in and through your life so that I see chains fall off of you and you willingly stay in this place because the presence of the Lord is here. What can I do to have that? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to get this. If you're here this morning and this virus or, or whatever, you know, all this stuff, you always got something on the news. You know, Iran and Iraq and China and, and North Korea and all these things. Well, get this. One of these days, if North Korea and China and all of them decide they want to be peaceful and the coronavirus leaves, you're still going to breathe your last breath. You're still looking into eternity because you might leave here today totally healthy and be dead by this evening from a car wreck or an aneurysm or whatever. And so you have to, and I, this is why I appreciate the shaking, because it causes everybody to go, I'm not eternal as far as I'm going to live forever in this physical body, that I do face the judgment seat before the Lord, that I am going to die one day, and it might be one day very soon. I'm not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised my next breath. And when I look into eternity, am I, do I look into it with a great hope and a joy because like I said, you know, the way I go, I just soon not be eaten by, you know, a dog or burned to death. I, you know, if I do whatever, God's sovereign. You know, but I just soon fall asleep when I'm an older man in great health and wake up in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And he can do that. He said, he give you a long life if he so chooses to. But if one of you got a rabid dog and I come see you and he eats me, understand this. When that process is over, I'm going to be standing looking at my Savior. Not because I'm a preacher or because I'm good, but because he saved my soul, showed me mercy and grace and redemption, and I'm going to be more alive. Listen to me. When you bury me, dance on my grave because I'm going to be more alive then than I've ever been. So there's no fear about what's going to happen once this old body goes into the ground. I'm, I'm not concerned about that. But my question is, are you concerned about that? And if you are, the awesome thing is this. Here we go with another scripture. That's why I need notes. <clears throat> but here we go with another scripture in John chapter 11. You remember the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. So, so bad things can happen to good friends of Jesus. Okay, this is not a promise. though. hey, if I stay there, then I'm going to live to be 80 and die old man in my sleeve. That's not what it's saying. Because Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus, okay? He went and visited with Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus during his time here on earth. And he ate with him. He fellowship with him. They loved each other. You know, they were, they were really good friends. Lazarus, you know the story. John chapter 11 gets sick. Mary and Martha send news to Jesus, said, Lazarus, the one whom you love, he's sick. Jesus didn't go. 
Jesus didn't go to him. The disciples said, you know, shouldn't we go? And, and Jesus said, you know, he's, he's, he's asleep. And they're like, well, if he's sleeping, that's good. He said, no, I mean, he's, he's dead. Lazarus died. Jesus comes four days later after he's dead. He's in a tomb, stinking, rocks over the tomb. Mary and Martha weeping. Everybody's crying. Jesus comes to the scene, shows up, and, and Martha finds out there. said, Lord, or Mary, I can't remember which one, Mary or Martha. One said, Lord, if you had been here, I think it was Martha, my brother would not have died. But even so, we know that whatever you ask God, he will give you because he listens to you. And Jesus said, Basically, I want to get this. I, I do want to read that. Let me turn it out because this is so good. I don't want to just mess it up. John chapter 11. I thought I was going to give you all a real short one this morning. It didn't work out for you, okay? <laughs> Y'all can leave here and go to the restaurant and get the coronavirus afterwards. <laughs> he says, what is it? <laughs> John. You know, and I know we got a lot of viewers wanting to go, what kind of church is this? We're a family. We love each other. We love Jesus, so we're not all uptight. And so when you look there in verse 17, John chapter 11, so that when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as he heard that Jesus was coming, went and he met him, and she met him. And But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, here my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Do y'all get that? If you're a believer here, you rejoice in those words. Boy, if the coronavirus gets me, you will rise again. Okay? And then he goes on down and said, Martha said, oh, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. In the last day, she makes it a, an event. I know he'll rise in, and you know, there's going to be a great event one day. And notice what he, he's like, this is not an event. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he says, and get this, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So wait a second, Lazarus died. Well, he was alive. Make no mistake, your body might hit the ground, but you're going to never die if you know Jesus. You understand that? Never die. And then he's going to raise your old body up one of these days, and he's going to give you a brand new body, and you're going to live to be with the Lord forevermore. And so in that right there, and if you can't find peace in that, and I know what you think. You think the same way that I think, well, I don't want to die right now because I want to see my babies grow up. And I want, one day I hope that I'm pretty enough to get married. And, and you know, I want to have children. And I want to see grandbabies and, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and all those things. But you know what? When you stand before the Lord, all that's not your concern. It's, that's going to be washed off you. And you're going to be like, man, this is, this is absolutely amazing. And you can have peace knowing that. Now, listen to me. Know how people are when you look at death. When you look at death, oftentimes what you do is you, you look in the mirror and you go, well, you know, preacher, I've done some pretty bad things and I've got this sin and I'm wrestling with and, and I struggle in my life. And what I want to say is quit looking in the mirror and start faith looks to Jesus. You know, I, I told the Lord this morning when I was talking to him before church, and I'll, I'll be quiet after this, that, Lord, I, you know, my concern, I don't want to spread fear and I don't want people to think that we're faithless and, and that kind of stuff. And God, you know my heart, if you, if, if you take me today, I'm ready. I'm not concerned, even though, even though this probably wasn't the best week I've had. 
And I said some things I shouldn't say, and I've thought some things I shouldn't thought, and I'm not telling you to sin and don't worry about it because there's repentance in my life over those things, and I wrestle against them. But if you're hoping that one day you're going to get so perfect that that day you're ready to die, that day's not coming. The only way a person can have peace when you look at death is when you see Jesus standing between you and death. And you know what it says in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. And so even in this shadow that we're going through, you don't have to fear if if you know the Lord is your personal Savior. How can I know that? Well, Jesus died for sinners. And if you're here today and go, I am a sinner. I am guilty of sin. If you've ever sinned once, you're a sinner. Jesus also loved you as a sinner. Somebody had to pay the the punishment and the penalty for our sin, our crime against God. Jesus, who is God, came as a man in the flesh, humbled himself, took on the form of a man, went to the cross and stood between you and the judgment. God, his father, loved you enough and loved me enough to pour out wrath upon his son. And at the end of that day, he went, I'm satisfied. Judgment has been served. And Jesus buried your sin in the grave three days later. I know you've heard this a thousand times. Hear it one more. Jesus walked out of that grave alive as he's ever more alive than anybody's ever alive. And he went, this is a demonstration. I want to demonstrate to you that the greatest thing that you face that brings the greatest fear in your life, I just conquered it. I'm the only one who's conquered it. And I have full authority and power to give you eternal life if you'll quit trusting in you, quit trusting in your church membership, quit trusting in your church going, and you start trusting in me, I want to give you life. And at the moment that a sinner humbles themselves and turns to Jesus in faith, you go, Lord, I believe, and I'm asking you to save me. Forgive me of my sins. God washes your sins. Basically, what happens is Jesus steps up in your place. You're no longer even in the picture. He steps up and he says, I declare, you're saved by a declaration of Jesus. I declare you innocent. I declare you holy. I declare you blameless in my sight. And I declare that you can have my peace that I give you if you'll just trust me. And at that moment, listen to me. It's not about, well, I don't need to make sure I do right. At that moment, according to Ephesians chapter 1, you check me on this. Ephesians chapter 1 says that when you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the redemption of the purchased possession. That means I am saved by grace. I am sealed and secured by grace. And he's going to keep me until the day he raises this old rotten body up. But that he is purchased with his blood. And he's like, all right, I'm going to make everything new. And that's what this world's headed to. Whether it's through the coronavirus, whether it's through the nuclear war, or whether it's when the Lord comes back. That's where we're all heading. And nobody gets out alive. And until that day, understand this, the devil doesn't choose your day. He doesn't choose your day. When you trust in the Lord, your days are written, your time is written, and your book is written, and he's at the last chapter. And I I want to close with this, okay? Because the devil is the one who gives the spirit of fear, and he's the one who tries to take away your peace. But those who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, in Psalm 91, in verse... um, Let me find it. I want to make sure I read you right. This is, I love this. In verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, 
No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near to your dwelling. You want to know what you need to pray? Lord, I trust in you. Let no plague come to my dwelling place. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands you shall bear in, in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against stone. And uh, this is my favorite part. You shall tread on the lion and the cobra. It's talking about the devil. You realize where all this is coming from. Why is the Lord doing this? This is the devil doing this. He's the one that brings about destruction. He's the one that tries to instill fear. And you know how you, how you, how you tread upon the lion, the serpent? When he lies to you, you speak the truth to him. When he brings fear to you, you're going, you know what? I don't have to fear. The Bible says I don't have to fear. I fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, and I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. It also says, and I've reminded him this multiple times this week, well, you know what? I know what you're saying through the social media. God's word says no weapon formed against me will prosper. And there are so many scriptures that when you know, you know, the devil gets tired of hearing scripture because obviously when he came against Jesus, Jesus spoke the word and he left him for a season. But I encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, when you look into eternity, today is a great day for you to turn to the Lord. You don't got to come up here. I can't save you. Me baptizing Dalton didn't save him. It's when he turned his heart to Jesus and trusted in what God's word says and promised. At that moment, God saved his soul. and God will save your soul. Right where you sit, if you want to come up, that's great, whatever. I'll be glad to pray. My prayer is not going to save you. Nobody else's prayer is going to save you. It's your heart before the Lord. And it's very simple. That you trust in what he's accomplished for you because he loves you. And if you're here and you're a child of God, please take peace. It's a promise. You either believe it or you don't. And if you're going to panic over something, panic over lost people. That's what God's, we're not concerned about. That's what we're concerned about is, you know, there's lost people out there. I'm going to panic because he's going to close the church for a week and I'm not going to be able to come. Good, use that time to share the gospel with somebody and be a light. We're not the church when we're here. We're the church everywhere. And God's called us and he's shaking us to go, you know what? I might make it through this, but there's other people who might not. And this might be the one opportunity that shakes the heart of a lost person to bring them to the reality that they're not going to live here forever. And he gives you the opportunity to go, but let me tell you where you can live forever. Amen. So if you'll stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, that we have absolute confidence in you, Lord. When we look at your word, it was when the sick people drew near to you. God, you wasn't infected, but you brought healing and life in so much to raise the dead. I think of the woman who had the issue of blood who was sick. Lord, she humbled herself and she drew near into the secret place. And your healing flowed through her body. God, I pray we'd be a people who are absolutely confident because you rose from the grave. Because you're a God who never lies and you always keep your word and you keep your promises. Lord, that you would give us peace. That we'd be a people who live out of peace because it dwells in us. Lord, I pray that we'd be a light and a hope. And speak the truth to our community. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. And we'd not lean to our own understanding. But Lord, we'd look to you and you'd guide us each day in our paths. I pray you would surround each family here, God, to be their shield and their buckler and their fortress. And Lord, we'd be a people of victory that tread on the cobra. 
and the line. God, we pray you will be glorified in each and everything, Lord. And even if you choose, Lord, that it's our day, God, we rejoice in the hope of eternal life because of what you've done for us at the cross. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. I appreciate your time this morning. And uh, so I say, well, what does the church come do? We'll let you know. I'm planning on being here next Sunday. And if something was to, was to need to change up, we'll get the word out. And we'll have signs on the church if something needed to be done. Right now, I think we're all right. Um, but if you, you know, again, I would say elderly people, you know, if you want to stay home, it ain't going to hurt nobody's feelings. Uh, just look out for you, mamas with babies and that kind of stuff. Just, you know, you're, you're in charge of making your own decisions as far as that's concerned. But nobody's going to judge you, you know, if you're not here, okay? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, we will have church tonight starting 5 o'clock. Um, other than that, it's all good. Uh, Wednesday night services, 6.30. And if anybody needs to talk to us afterwards, we'll be up here. So let's close in a word of prayer. We'll get you out. What is it? Youth Fellowship here tomorrow night at 5.30. All right. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I love you and thank you for this people that you blessed us with. And I pray, God, you would just uh, watch over and take care of us so we start a new week. Lord, let us start it with a great hope, uh, God, that our eyes would be fixed upon you, <clears throat> that your promises would be in our heart, uh, God, that we would draw near to you, Lord. Being near to you is a good place to be. And pray, Lord, that you would just fill us with joy. Uh, God, help us to just uh, be a people who love and communicate the gospel as we go through the week, Lord. Pray that you lift up those who are, are sick, Lord, and that you would bring healing to them. Lord, I know a lot of people battling other things other than this virus, battling cancer and, and uh, sicknesses and people who are in situations of hurt and pain. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help us to bring your presence and your hope into those situations, God, that you would bring healing. We just thank you, Jesus, for all the people you have healed, people that you've restored and renewed and raised up. Thank you for the souls that's been saved, and pray, uh, God, you would continue to draw the lost to you. Uh, help us, Lord, just to be faithful with uh, what you've given us to do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.